listening to First Church Charlotte. That the Lord has gifted me, gifted me abundantly, first in my parents who lived a life of ministry before me and made it a very natural and expected, you might say, thing to have a heart toward the things of God. And I, I want to do the same in my household. I want to do the same for my children. I'm praying someday my wife would accept Christ as her personal Savior. And um, so I'm blessed in my inheritance, but I also am blessed in my team, my pastoral team that has come around me and holds up my arms. Uh, I, I, I remember the exact season, the exact time when the Lord challenged me to, uh, to broaden the pastoral reach of the church. And I, I almost immediately upon doing that, almost immediately upon doing that, I'll never forget telling my wife, I, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm being ganged up on anymore. <laughs> I feel like I have a team around me and I feel rich in my pastoral team. Uh, these people are talented, talented people. And I'm blessed in them and I'm blessed in you. It's the honor of my life to lead people. Uh, several of you I, I hugged this morning and I just asked this question, how did I get so rich to have you be a part of my my church? How did I get so rich to have you a part of my church? Um, I'm honored in you. All right, enough of that. Uh, we're reading Joshua 1, reading at verse number 2. My subject title for the next few minutes is Slaves and Wanderers. You will, you will understand as we proceed here. Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua 1, verse number 2. Now, therefore, now, therefore, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. So if the Lord would help me, I, I want to talk about a concept here for a little while that if, if you can, if you will, you can apply into your heart and into your life. So let me begin by getting us all on the same page. And that is, if we all could agree on the fact that none of us have spiritually arrived anywhere, but all of us are spiritually progressing somewhere. None of us have spiritually arrived anywhere, but all of us are spiritually progressing uh, somewhere. Uh, we have before us a call, uh, an anointing, a mission that is so great that if it does not humble you, you have not opened your eyes to see it. Uh, you have upon you the gifts of God. I know we don't usually think of ourselves in terms of the gifts of God, but every one of you are intentionally gifted by God with a specific set of abilities and placed in a specific context of life and ministry. You are not the final example. You are in process. Elbow your neighbor, say that part was for you. 
None of you have arrived at any place of spiritual completion, but every one of you are in spiritual process of becoming. If you do not make a commitment to becoming, you will begin to live a type of spiritual retirement as though the work is done, as though the battle is complete, as though you have done whatever you can do and now you're going to, as it were, live spiritually at ease in Zion. But here's the problem. Zion is not about retirement. Zion is about the kingdom of God manifest in the earth. That means you have a divine purpose and a divine mission. However, we can miss the mission of God. In fact, if we look at the words of Jesus, we can think that in some way that gathering is the mission and gathering is the equipping. <laughs> I don't have time to preach on this, but let me just, uh, we, we think gathering is the mission to come around the table and to be filled. That is the mission. No, that's the empowering of the mission. It is the equipping of the mission. So let me say it this way. However low you rank yourself, God may have a higher opinion of what you can do than you have of what you can do. In fact, it's worse than that. I would say as a general rule, the Spirit of the Lord would brood over the chaos of a generation and speak over that generation a revival that few people in that generation could perceive and embrace. In fact, the Spirit of the Lord often moves in a manner where in the earth is nothing but chaos, spiritual confusion, and the Spirit of the Lord is brooding over the waters, and He begins to give spiritual order, not to all, but to some, and as some join, and as some gather, they create a counterculture movement of spirit promise and power that goes against the flow of a generation. The carnal heart is not inclined toward the things of God. Can I have a big amen? It takes transformation by the power of the Spirit. How about another big amen? That means I need to be on the transformation side of what God is doing in the earth. Lord Jesus, let the Holy Spirit transform us into your very image. Let us manifest your heart to this world. Let us speak your promise over a generation. Let us claim the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this hour, in this time, and can some change church people say in Jesus' name. We all must be transformed into who God said we could be through his power. And one of the biggest acts of faith in our life is looking ahead to who God said we could be and turning our eyes from who we think we are limited to be. We feel trapped in the old us. We feel limited in the old us. And all the while, the Spirit is wooing us to take a step higher. All the while, the Spirit is calling us to claim the promises of God. All the while, the Spirit is saying, come closer, my child. And we're down here wrestling with, am I worthy? Am I good enough? So what the result is, whether or not we intend to, there is always a chance for us to live beneath God's perfect will in our lives. 
uh, to live beneath the promise that God has given to us as we strain to reach higher and connect with the promises of God. I, I very much want as a church to uh, explore the deeper waters of who God said we could be. I very much as a church want to extend as far as I can to the promise of God and touch the hem of his garment and push past the distractions. And let's see what God says is possible in a generation. Let's see what God says we can do. Not what we think we can do. What God says we can do. This battle is always going on within the lives of people who are called to a world beyond this world, a promise beyond this world, a hope beyond on this life. This battle is going on and you see it lived out by the children of Israel in the story of them coming out of Egypt. And you see them first as slaves. That's how you first are introduced uh, to them. They had not always been slaves. There was a time when they had uh, received the promises of God. They had lived in the land of promise. They had walked the height and the breadth of it. And everywhere they walked, God had whispered to them this promise. If you put your foot there, I will give it to you as an inheritance. I, I will give it to you as a possession. Uh, but uh, trouble and difficulty and famine and doubt and fear had placed them in an increasingly constraining situation. Let me very quickly just make a point that you all know. Uh, nonetheless, it's helpful to remind ourselves of, and that is this. They did not become slaves in one night. It was a slide into slavery. This is a perfect example of the grip of sin in our life. Very few people would become a slave in a night. It would not happen that fast. It almost always, in terms of spiritual understanding, is a process. And so we allow this, and then we settle for that, and then we don't fight here, and we stop praying over this, and we settle and slide increasingly. And first, it's all fun, right? First, it's all distraction. First, it is this, oh, it's harmless, says the person exploring drugs. It's harmless. You're just trying to kill my party. I'm just trying to live my life. It's all harmless, the person says, exploring this and trying out that. But it adds up, and what was once small grows into giants in our life. And now we find ourselves not using a thing to serve us. We find ourselves serving the thing we once used for pleasure. This is the slide of sin, and a Pharaoh arose who did not know Moses. He had no reason to respect the God of the Jews, and as a result, one passage of law after another offering of rule after another change of government. And one day people realize in spite of their best intentions, in spite of how this place had once been a safe place, they are now living as a slave. And here's the thing about slavery. It's never paid in one generation. It's not. 
um, a child grows up in the formative experience of seeing their parents in a certain context. And they want, it's natural for all your children to want to, at least until the teenage years when they lose their brains. Um, but that was funny. I don't care what y'all say. I love y'all too. After church, double hugs for everybody, okay? Um, so it's natural for every little little boy to think of his dad as some sort of a, a superhero. Now, when they turn 13, they're going to start making dad jokes and dad bod jokes. But up till 13, dad has an S under his jacket. And uh, you get the idea. That's natural. But imagine you had never saw your parents succeed at anything. Imagine you had never seen your parents successful in a place, in a role, in a job. But you had always seen them told what to do, told how to live, always asking for permission, never knowing success, it would have formative effects on what you thought was possible in your world. And so it is that uh, they grew up shaped by the limits of their world. This is true of all generations. One of the problems of the cycle of poverty um, is that it doesn't just curse the working age adult who cannot seem to get an edge up in any venue of work or business and is always struggling, struggling, struggling. Uh, The greatest tragedy is not that the adult struggles. The greatest tragedy is that the next generation is comes to age limited by a, a very constrained set of horizons and what they think is possible. Somebody has to break that cycle. It's not just true of poverty. It's also true of abuses of all kinds. It's also true of lives of crime and lives of addiction of all types. The child grows up constrained by the limits of the parent. The result of this is every generation has a range of change. I wish this weren't the case. I wish it weren't. I wish we could all in a moment just uh, snap our fingers and go from struggle bus to uh, victory train. Wouldn't that be great? You snap your fingers, you get off the struggle bus, you get on the victory train. I wish it worked that simple. But the problem is we came of age on the struggle bus. And now we can't imagine life any other way. It's the constraint of limitations. And uh, sure, if um, we review our life, we could be critical of ourselves and say, well, we could have done better at this if we would. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Always, everywhere, including the person saying it. There is a limitation of the inheritance of the slave. The slave has never known what a psychologist would call agency, the right to choose what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and how long you're going to do it. A slave knows not agency. They are not used to deciding what they're going to do. They're not used to determining their own limits. They have another authority telling them everything. And so they grow up in a culture where everything is wrong unless I say it's right, do you see? 
rather than the sky's the limit unless there's some constraint. It's the difference in a closed society, everything's automatically wrong, or an open society, everything's automatically okay unless it has a prescribed limit against it. And so uh, you could, if you were so interested in such things, uh, read quite uh, lengthy and comprehensive histories that compare open societies and closed societies. Societies where everything is automatically wrong unless you have explicit freedoms versus societies everything are mostly okay unless it's infringing on someone else's freedoms or it risks something else. There are profoundly different ways of growing up. And whenever historically you have a society where two peoples grow up, up right beside each other, the same in every way except the type of constraints upon them, it will take generations to outlive those constraints. You can even to this day read the sociological work done in the divided Germany between the Eastern Germany and Western Germany, and they're still is documented evidence-based cultural differences between the East and the West of Germany. It's tragically the south between uh, the, the case between North and South Korea. Uh, same genetic background, same genetic inheritance, profoundly different outcomes. What did you change? Is the geography different? Not that much. Is the weather different? Not that much. What's different? The context of what life is and how it should be lived and how we can organize it. And so slaves have an agency. They need someone else to do for them. They are incapable. They are, it's a stretch too far for them. So God shows up and he says, sending his man Moses to stand before Pharaoh, that the Lord of all glory has a message for Pharaoh. And it's a short sermon. It's not a long-winded sermon. It's real short. You can get it on the first try. And it goes like this, Mr. Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Pharaoh doesn't like this plan. God doesn't mind. God's going to teach some lessons to people who have never had agency that God's on their side. You see, the first lesson when you, you learn when you come to the house of God is in spite of your past of oppression, God is fighting for you. In spite of the suffering of your past, God is on your side. In spite of whatever happened to you in your youth, God is on your side. Let me preach that here for a moment. I want you to know deep in your spirit, God's fighting on your side. He has not left you alone. He says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. You are not standing only in your strength. God! God is on your side. Though a host encamp against you, you should not be afraid. Though the enemy surround you, you should not fear because God is on your side. Is there anybody in the house who can agree with me? If God be for me, who can stand? It's difficult, however, to stretch too far in your generation. Uh, as you get old, you get grumpy. Yes, you know who you are, dearly beloved. Let that be a blessing upon your life. You just don't care to learn a bunch of new stuff. It's not that you can't. You pretend like you can't. The truth is you don't want to. That's the honest truth right there. It's a, you can learn how to operate that new phone. You don't want to. But you won't come out and say that. What you say is, oh, I, I, I can't. Oh, it's too complicated for me. It's not too complicated for you. My God, you do your taxes every year. If you can survive taxes, don't talk to me about technology. You're just over it. You don't want to learn a new phone. You walk through the phone place. Do you have a phone with one button? 
that's my, that's my phone right there. One button. And then they make it where it's a multifunction button. That's worse than having a bunch of buttons. You get grumpy. It's not that you can't learn something, but you have, as you have aged, you have reached the comfort arc of transition. And you don't want to change anymore. You don't want to try a new sweetener. You don't want to try a new diet. You're grumpy. Somebody say he's preaching to me now. I am walking your aisle. You don't want to hear. You, so, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Every generation has an arc of the possible. But oftentimes, remember, in the kingdom of God, the greatest revival is on the edge of our comfort zone. It's the cutting edge of our comfort zone where the greatest revival is. And when we fix God in our comfort zone, what we do is we create a limit around us of what is spiritually possible because we don't really want to stretch that far. We just want to stretch till it hurts a little bit, and then we call it quits, and we go on out to the, the, the diner after church. That's enough of that. And so the children of Israel are challenged not just to live as the children of slaves, but to stand before a promised land and say in themselves, if God said we can do it, we're just going to go with what he said and we're going to give it a shot. But they could not do that. They had reached the limit of their comfort stretch. They could not Go from the place of, I have no agency. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. They could not go to that to, I know who I am. I know where I'm supposed to be. Therefore, my next step is missional purpose. You see, the result is they start as slaves. God does all the work. God sets them free. Literally, all they have to do is turn away from Egypt and walk the other direction. This is a picture of repentance. In the beginning, it is a work of grace. God doesn't require you to do the work of grace. He requires you to have faith in his work. All you have to do is turn away from Egypt and walk the other direction. This is why all heaven rejoices when you repent. That's the beginning. Everything else is journey. That's why it's the beginning of everything when you repent. Everything else is journey. God is going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He is going to cover you. He is going to transform you. But it's all going to begin. All you have to do is receive the, the accomplishment of grace in your life. You put the blood of spiritual covering over the doorposts of your life. And what do you receive? You receive grace in that moment. What then can you do? I'm walking to another place. I am no longer living this life of a slave. But what you find out is you carry more with you than the condition around you. You carry within you the conditions. And it's not that which is around you that limits you. It's that which is within you. The limits on the children of God are not on the outside. The limits are on the inside. That's why Jesus could speak to his disciples and say, don't you realize the kingdom of heaven is within you? It is that which God is doing within you. And so we not limited anymore by that which is on the outside. Find ourselves limited as the children of slaves. Limited on the inside. And so the crowning attribute of the slave is the lack of agency. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I just, I'm kind of confused. I don't know what to do. I'm not even sure who I am. 
You see, if you could start with identity, if you could start with it, I'm the child of God, and I don't have to fight over that. He showed it to me when he set me free. If you could accomplish the transition from a lack of agency to spiritual identity, it might be that you would be ready to begin to claim what God had for you in your spiritual way. Remember, all of us are becoming. We are all journeying. If you can settle who you are uh, as the child of God and not simply as, uh, well, I know I was a slave in Egypt and now I really don't know where. You see, from slaves, they become wanderers. The the unique thing about a wanderer is um, they don't really know where they're supposed to be. They They don't really know where they're supposed to be. You see, here's the problem. If you're not aware in your heart and spirit who you are, it doesn't matter where you are. Because the battle is not where you are. The battle is who you are. The moment you know who you are, all of a sudden you start getting direction on where you're supposed to be. Aren't we the children of Abraham? It seems as though God made Abraham some promises. You see, if I don't know where I'm supposed to be, it might be because I haven't settled who I am. The the, the inheritor of the slave, the, the person who's had their, their whole world shaped by, I, I'm always told what to do. The biggest breakthrough from them for them after they're free from slavery is for them to settle who they are. Everything next is going to follow on the heels of who am I? If you can begin to believe you're the child of God, all of a sudden, the promises of God begin to work in your life. And the promises of God are taking you somewhere. Hell's greatest trick is to get the church insecure about identity, who we are in God. It's hell's greatest trick is to always create some type of a deception or a flawed theology where now we're the children of God, now we're not the children of God. Now, now, now we are, now we aren't, now we aren't. And you're always insecure about who you are, so it doesn't matter where you are. Does that make sense? I want to try to understand. I know I can preach this and shout to you, but I want you to try to understand. Whenever the enemy shows up in your life, the enemy will start with challenging who you claim to be. He will point out every wrong you've ever committed. He will accuse you. The Bible, in fact, calls him the what? The accuser of the brethren. But if they're brethren... Oh, y'all didn't get that. Um, um, y'all didn't get that. He accuses the brethren, but aren't they the brethren? Shouldn't some things be settled in their hearts? I'm far from perfect, but God adopted me and gave me his name. I went down in his name. I'm God's child. That means there's purpose. That means there's place for me. That means there's mission for me. If the enemy can get you focused on always reassuring yourself about who who you are in God, if the enemy can keep you focused on the insecurity of identity, you will never get to mission. So place doesn't matter. You got nothing to do if you were to get there. 
you see the kingdom of God first is, am I really the child of God? I was once a slave in Egypt, but who am I now? Am I a displaced Egyptian? Should maybe I just make a golden calf and maybe worship it? That's what the Egyptians would do. Who am I? And uh, the man of God says, you are not an Egyptian. You are not an Egyptian. You're not going to walk like they walked, worship like they worship, cook like they cook. You are not an Egyptian. You're the child of God. You might need to repent, but you're still the child of God. You might need to get some things right, but you're still the child of God. You might need to get some false gods out of your tent, but you're still the child of God. (coughs) Do you see the sequence? If hell can attack your identity it won't matter where you are because you won't have a mission nowhere anywhere you end up but God has a place for you he wants you to be a witness among the nations more he wants you to be a very channel to bless all the nations in fact he is going to show you how to worship and the biggest part of your house of worship it's going to be bigger than everything else combined is going to be for people who aren't even related to you it's going to be a court for the Gentiles you have a purpose in the earth quit being insecure about who you are and quit letting hell always convince you now you're saved now you're not saved now you're in the church now you're out of the church now you're good enough now you're not good enough you were never good enough if you need to repent repent of your sins can i have a big amen if you need to get some things right in your life get some things right in your life but unless you get your identity established you're never it's never going to matter where you are Because you won't have a mission where no matter where you end up. God has to take people from the inheritance of slavery and somehow get them to possessors of promise. Do you see? Uh, few people can make that far of a stretch all at once. It's interesting to me that we are all of us in some ways formed by our um, earliest relationships in our life. This isn't my opinion. There's a ton of research on all of this, but uh, we are in many ways formed. And uh, if you kind of grew up um, as a spiritual slave, what would that feel like? If you grew up with that sense of powerlessness, what would that feel like? If you are living where your biggest church challenge is one of identity, whether or not you are uh, in a place of divine favor, what does it feel like to live that way? Well, I'm going to hopefully open your understanding here and try to help you see what it feels like to live where you are still the inheritance of slave mentality. You know what it feels like? Are you ready for this? It feels like fear, your predominant emotion is fear. This is the inheritance of the slave, is fear. Someone's going to see me. Someone's going to catch me. I don't have the right to do that. I don't deserve that. I'm not good. Someone at church is going to look at me. They're going to say something about me. My brother's going to criticize me. Fear. Someone said I'm not good enough to be in the church. Fear. Someone heard that I got mad and said something I I shouldn't have said. My wife was asking about who spoke foreign languages. I leaned over to Pastor Don and said, well, I cuss a little. Does that count? (laughs) 
just teasing. I thought it was funny. We're here twice. We get to laugh some. You suckers here one time, you don't get to laugh like we get to laugh. No, I'm just cutting up. I got mad and I said something I shouldn't have said. You see what I'm saying? They found out about it. Now they're looking down their nose at me. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Before you sinned, you still weren't good enough. You just were deceived to think you were good enough because people who were not God had said you were good enough. After you have made some error of judgment, uh, you're still not good enough. It's just now people who aren't good enough to have an opinion about you have an opinion about you and you're adopting their opinion. This is the mentality of a slave. You are not joined together in heavenly places with other believers. You fear other believers. That's why you dress one way at church and another way on vacation. You know why? It's because you were afraid what the church people were going to say about you. It's a slave mentality. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Let me end this. No, but it's okay. Do I need to make changes? Let's, let's make them. Do I need to repent? Yes, let's repent. Do I need to turn my heart away from Egypt? Yes, let's turn our heart away from Egypt. But let's stop throwing away our confidence in who we are in God. Because until you get that issue of identity settled, the best you will ever be is a wanderer. Because as a slave, you have an argument with God. As a wanderer, you have an argument with yourself. Maybe I could, but not today. Maybe I could pray like that, but not this week. <laughs> you see, as a slave, you had an argument with God. As a wanderer, you have an argument with yourself. Maybe we could if the giants aren't in that part of the land. Maybe we could. Maybe we could if, 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 if we had the right team of special forces. Maybe we could. All this is the same issue writ large. And what God's trying to do is get us from a place of spiritual helplessness to a, spl- a place of spiritual purpose. A mission where we live as a witness to the nations. Where we live as a path of divine blessing, heaven to to earth. That through the people of God, all the peoples of the earth are blessed. But God is going to struggle to get people out of a slave mentality into a place of spiritual anointing. And until you get the identity challenges of serving God settled... The best you can ever become is a wanderer. But a day will come in your life when uh, that which has held you in a place and a time passes on. And for Joshua and Joshua's generation, that was represented by their honoring of Moses. And so the Lord says to Joshua, they were not wrong to do so. They were right to do so. God's time is perfect. Can I have a big amen? amen. In this moment, the Lord says to Joshua, Moses has died. Moses, my servant, is dead now, therefore. Somebody say it with me. Now, therefore. You see, I don't want 
to spend my whole life wrestling the issue of, uh, am I really a child of God? Um, Would God really want to do something through my life? Could God really take whatever gifts I have and use them for the kingdom? As long as I'm stuck in the challenges of who I am in God, the best I can ever be is a wanderer. I may stop arguing with God, but now I'm arguing with me. Can I really possess God's promised land? You see, God will not have faith for you. And a day will come when you stand on the edge of the promised land, and he told you he's with you. He said you're able. He says you can accomplish it. He promises his hand is upon you, and then he looks at you and says, okay, go. You've been here long enough. It's time for you to cross over into that new land. And what happens when the Lord places the moment of decision in front of you? Watch this. The exact same promise he gave to all generations he gives to you. The exact same promise he gave to Moses he gives to you. The exact same promise he gave to Isaac and Jacob. Go over every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. That have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. These people are quick talking about how, well, if Moses this, and if Moses that, and the Lord says, this promise is for you. If Abraham was here, then God says the same promise is for you. If Isaac was here, then the same promise is for you. My brother, my sister, we cannot settle to live forever as the mentality of slaves and wanderers. God has a work for us to do. He has placed you. He has empowered you. You have to lay aside the self-doubt of Whether or not you're good enough, whether or not you are righteous enough, whether or not you have accomplished enough, and you need to say, Lord, if you send me, uh, I'm willing to risk it all on your promise. Y'all, I'm afraid y'all didn't hear. I'm almost done. Musicians, come on up. I I want you to see the moment of change. The moment of change, the difference in those who cross over and those who cannot cross over. The difference is not who is the better fighter. It's not like they hold cage matches and then the best fighters make it to the other side. That's not the challenge. Do you see? The challenge comes down to this simple truth. I don't know if I can or not, but let me tell you, if God said I can, I'm willing to risk everything on the fact that God said I can. Ultimately, hear me, faith is my willingness to place myself at risk for the kingdom of God. So my brother and my sister, how are you placing yourself at risk for the kingdom of God? You have to think about your context. You have to place a, think about your personality. You have to think about your essential gifts, the uniqueness of who you are and what you can do. And then you have to go into a prayer room and you have to say, Lord, how can I put myself at risk for the kingdom of God? What is my version of taking a chance to share the gospel with somebody?
Oh, it's quiet now. No one wants me to preach like this. It's all right. I'll be done. You can you know, forget everything I said, but I'm telling you, this is the journey of faith. This is the straight and narrow right here. What can I do to put myself at risk for the kingdom of God to be established in my life? How do I become a city on a hill that cannot be hid? How do I let my light shine? Your world is not accidentally placed on uh, the horizons of your vision. Your world is intentionally placed all around you. And God has intentionally invested you in that place. And I want to tell you today, you're God's child. And I want to tell you today, you can do more than you ever dreamed that you could do. You can pray and see the miraculous happen in your family. Stand with me all across the house. How many of you need to see the miraculous happen in your family? Raise your hand right now all across the house. Lord Jesus, I pray everyone with their hand in the air right now, they would begin to believe that they can experience the miraculous in their families. I pray, Lord Jesus, that these people would be willing to speak faith. I pray, Lord Jesus, that these people would be willing to claim promise. I pray, Lord Jesus, that these people would have a courage about them for the things of God and the kingdom of God. Do not let us settle to be a slave and a wanderer all the days of our life, but let us say it is time to possess that which God has given us. Let us quit the torment of identity challenge to stop us from stepping into the assurance of God's promise for his children. But Lord, let something happen right here at First Church where we begin to speak the promises of God. If we need to pray more to get that boldness, God, I pray you would put within us a passion to pray more. If we need to fast more to get the confidence to claim that kind of an anointing in our life, God, I pray that we would have the strength of spirit to fast more, that our courage would rise, Lord Jesus. What we need, I pray, Lord, we would be willing to step forward and embrace in Jesus' name that your kingdom might come in the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm preaching to some people here today. Uh, you know I'm preaching to you because you. the whole time I've been preaching, you've been having things come to your mind, small ways that you could represent faith to people in your world. I've, I've been, it's not everybody here, I know, but I'm preaching to some people here today. The whole time I've been preaching, you've been having thoughts come into your mind on something you could do with someone in your life to encourage them back toward the kingdom of God. And I want you to respond today. I want you to respond. If, if, if you're feeling this function, this challenge in your spirit here today, um, I, I know I'm not preaching to everybody. I, it's rare I preach to everybody. I usually have a group of people who you aren't just listening to, shall we say, a solid Bible study. You are feeling the knock of God's heart on your door of your heart. And you're deciding whether or not you can respond to this. And I'm asking you today to make a response in your spirit right now. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If I'm preaching today, I want you to lift both hands in this house. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I am responding. 
responding today. I'm not just going through a, a, a Sunday blessing. I'm not just going through a Sunday blessing. I am responding to the challenge of the Holy Ghost in my life to do and to be everything you would have me to be. Lord Jesus, I'm praying right now for an awakening among your people. I'm praying right now for the winds of spiritual renewal to blow through this city, oh God. I pray we would leave the harassments and disappointments and uh, enslavements of the past. I, I pray we would leave them behind us. And if you have to stretch us, oh God, into a whole new comfort arena, Lord Jesus, we place ourselves on the potter's wheel. We will not resist. We will not resist, oh God. We will not stop your move with the voice of criticism. We will not stop your move with the attitude of the critic, Lord God. We will speak blessing to others. We will speak unity to this house. Oh God, let revival work among your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you step out of the chair you're in right now? If, I, if I've been preaching to you here today, if you're responding in your spirit, would you step out of the pew you're in right now and begin to make your way either down to the front or stand in the aisle? I want to pray for you. I want you to feel a change in the atmosphere of your life here today. So be bold here today. Just, just step out of that comfort zone that you're, you're comfortably ensconced in and open your heart in the presence of God and come to this front and say, God, this is me making a commitment to you you here today. This is me calling upon your name. This is me making an intentional change of my mind and my spirit. I'm challenging my flesh. I'm turning away from my fear. I'm calling upon the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, help us pray right now. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.